if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thanks for being with us as we get started at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a free for all Friday, the 26th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Appreciate you being with us today. We have a lot of uh, very important things to talk about coming up at 1010 this morning. An hour from now, we are going to speak with Patrick Wood of Citizens for Free Speech and Technocracy Rising and Technocracy.news. Rather, his book is Technocracy Rising. We're going to talk about COVID-19, the new surge that's being reported, whether it really is a surge, and what about the face mask orders that continue to grow in popularity among local leaders, among state leaders, uh, and more. Uh, so that's a, it's a big deal. It's affecting a lot of people's lives. And face masks are affecting a lot of people's health. And we're not talking about people with COVID-19. We're talking about people who are healthy and who are being forced to wear these things on the job for sometimes six, seven, eight hours a day, and it is compromising their health. It's a problem. Uh, there's a lot of pseudoscience behind the, uh, the push for face mask mandates. Gavin Newsom did it in California. The governor of uh, North Carolina is doing it starting today at 5 p.m. All persons in all public places, indoors and out, must wear these masks. An absolute assault on our personal liberty and our own personal medical choices about what we want to do for our own bodies. It's unbelievable. And um, Patrick Wood has got a lot to say about that. So that's coming up uh, at uh, 1010 this morning. In about a half an hour from now, we're going to get a little faithful uh, on the program. And with good reason, I think. Um, we, are, we are in need of faith right now. Um, I'm going to share with you here in a moment. Something that uh, probably not a lot of people are are thinking about. You know, we, we, we have faced crises, plural, um, in this country on a number of occasions. And because of the general greatness of America, I think that's kind of what it is. The greatness of America, we have always bounced back. We've overcome. We have endured. We have put down attempts to, uh, you know, essentially remake the greatest beacon of hope 
and liberty in the history of human civilization. We have put down attempts to kill it, to destroy it. And most of the time, well, not most of the time, all of the times that we have overcome these problems uh, and these, you know, this attempted insurrection and these, uh, you know, terrible things that have indeed been successful in destroying other governments and other uh, cultures, ways of life, etc., uh, other countries. We look at those things, and and you know the, the reason those countries fell, the reason those countries uh, had a complete remaking of what they you know of what they have is because they were weak, and we are strong. We are the United States of America. Nothing can do damage to us. Nothing can harm us. Nothing can do that to us. And um, I think we're fooling ourselves. Because of our history in overcoming threats to the republic, both inside and out, and they have, they have come from inside and out, because of our previous success, people think that we are Teflon, that everything will just, you know, roll off of us and that uh, it will be okay in the end because we are the United States. What a lot of people don't realize is that there is no immunity from... um the types of assaults on governments and on liberty and on constitutional foundational principles, there is no immunity from that just because we have a red, white, and blue flag and we say USA, USA. There, we, we are not different. We're not superhuman. We're not an alien race is what I'm trying to say. We are just failing, flawed human beings like everybody else around the world. What has made us different is not just our color and our name, and by colors, again, I mean our red, white, and blue, and, and the United States of America. It's not just you know the fact that we have this great country that in and of itself um, makes us you know a little bit more able to withstand assaults on, on what we are than other nations are. It's the people that made it happen. It's the heroes of the American Revolution that founded this country. Warts and flaws and all that all human beings have, it's our, it is the heroes. And, and, and it's been heroes for the history of the Republic since 1776 that have defended. And it's not just military. And it's not just elected officials. It is everyday citizens who once upon a time, particularly in the Revolutionary War and in that era, were called militia. And I'm not suggesting we all need to arm up and form bands of militaristic groups. That's not what I mean. My point is, whatever the situation has called for, it wasn't the flag that got down and, and, and dirty and did the fighting to protect what this country stands for. It was the people represented by that flag. And they fight in whatever manner is necessary at the time. And at the time, you know, it was time to pick up arms and fight against the British regulars. That was what was required. At other times, it is required just putting our our, our sweat and our blood to work uh, to build this country up into something that nobody had ever seen by going to work at our manufacturing plants, by going to work in our fields, by going to work and putting it all on the line to build businesses and hire people, whatever it has taken to undo the wrongs of the past, 
It has taken guts, it has taken blood, it has taken sweat, it has taken tears, it has taken courage to undo the damage of the past, to pass civil rights, to demand equality for everybody. We have always risen to the challenge. But because we have, I feel like we have millions of Americans today who are just thinking, this too shall pass, it always has. But it didn't pass because we have a flag. It didn't pass because we have uh, you know, a nation and we call ourselves united, the United States of America. It did so because we were united. Things passed, and we pushed past the most difficult things we've ever faced in our history because we worked our tails off together, because we defended our history, because we educated our young, because we taught them the mistakes that other civilizations had made and said those will be the mistakes that we will not make. We will not let our house become divided We will remain united, and if we do, we can keep this republic, and we can keep this this bastion of liberty and freedom that the United States has become. The greatest source for freedom in every sense of the word freedom in the history of humanity. And you go back and you can look. In ancient times, you can look at prehistoric ancient, you can look at uh, medieval, you can look at more modern uh, recent history, you can look at today, present day. Never before has there been a place like this, what we have built for ourselves and for essentially all of the world, quite like the United States of America. But if you think that we can't fall, if you think that we are not potentially in jeopardy of losing this republic, then you are delusional. There is an assault on it right now like there has never been before. It starts with erasing our past. It starts with erasing the history of this country. I've talked on a couple of different occasions on the program this week about 1984, the George Orwell book from 1949. And uh, it was chilling, and it was dark, and it foresaw a future, it foretold a future in 1984, back at that time, of essentially the most oppressive, dystopian world imaginable because of unchecked governmental power over the people. Um. And it foretold of a time when the government, or the party, would be in complete control of everything in the present because all lessons from the past will have been wiped out. History would have been erased so that nobody knew how to reclaim liberty. It started with the erasure of history. And there's a quote from the book, 1984, written by Orwell, that I think is pertinent right now. Every book has been rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street and building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present. 
in which the party is always right. End quote. That line from Orwell in 1984 could not have been more eerily prescient. Orwell foresaw exactly this. He saw it for 1984. He was off by 30, 40 years, but he was right. They are literally erasing the past. Pictures being repainted or being destroyed. Names being changed or removed. And I'm talking about everything from products to to rides at Disneyland to songs to bands renaming to statues destroyed to films being banned. Literally everything Orwell wrote about erasing history is in progress right now. And once history is erased... And once they use their justification, the justification being, well, George Washington, the father of our country, the first president, he had slaves, so he has to go. Once they remove him for that supposed justified reason, future generations will never know of his heroism and what he did to help forge this great Beacon of freedom, this liberty that we have in the United States, what we now know as the United States. They will look for a quote-unquote just reason to remove people whose legitimate contributions to the United States are, 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 are just, uh, they're, it's hard to put them into words. They, they have been not just invaluable, I mean, this country would not exist without those contributions, but we're going to use their their one fatal flaw to erase them. That's the just cause. And then when they erase the negative, they erase all of the positive. They erase the existence of these people entirely. And that is in motion right now. And you can't just assume that the United States will come through this like we have every other crisis. You can't just assume because we have overcome them all before. We've overcome cold wars. We've overcome actual wars. We have overcome uh, uh, um, race, racial uh, uh, tensions. Quite frankly, racial battles. We have overcome those. We have, we have won civil rights. We have overcome disease and plague and pestilence. We have overcome uh, discord with our neighbors. We have overcome... Uh, immigration issues. We have overcome, overcome, overcome in the history of this republic. We have faced challenge after challenge, and we have won them all. And we still stand here flying that flag freely with all men and women created equally, all men and women provided with the rights that are not man-made, that are not man-given, that are not, even though they are, maybe maybe they were verbalized and they were written down by man, But there are rights given to us by God, and we have always come through. If you think we are going to come through without us being prepared to fight for this, over through, fight our way through this attack and assault on our nation, then you need a reality check. We are not going to just overcome this because time will go by and this too shall pass. It is going to take the courage and the heroism of men. And by men, I mean mankind. I don't want to play any games with sex or gender here. It will be overcome by humanity. 
it will be overcome by Americans. And our battle here is really only just beginning. I've got a lot more on this that I want to talk about. I started to introduce a guest that's coming up at 935. My point is with all of the things that we are dealing with now by humanity, we're not going to be able to we're not going to be able to get past any of it without faith. Faith is extraordinarily important, and we'll talk more about that coming up on AM 1420 the answer. Uh, 926, thanks for being with us. I want to share with you, oh, by the way, uh, my mistake, I jumped the gun. The guest that we uh, we are going to speak with that I mentioned at 935 is actually going to be 1035, so my apologies for that, but you're going to want to hear him, and I hope you hear for hour number two. His name is Ron Archer, and he's a Cleveland native, and he's got a story to tell. Um, he's an author, and uh, he grew up in a mixed. His mother actually grew up in a mixed race household, and he grew up in a very adversarial situation. He uh, faced a lot of adversity, uh, raised on food stamps in the ghetto of Cleveland, and uh, he turned to faith. and uh, And God is what got him through his own personal problems, and he believes that's what's going to help us get through where we are right now. And I totally agree. And we're going to talk to him at ten thirty five, not nine thirty five. So that means we've got open phone lines between now and the top of the hour. But I do want to play this for you now. This was this is what inspired some of my opening riff. Um, this is a video that was it's only a minute long, uploaded to uh, YouTube by Dave Rubin, actually of the Rubin Report, and it's of a young Venezuelan American who has a warning for all of us that I heard this morning as I was preparing for today's show, and it really spoke to me, and it really reminded me of some of the things that I just said to you in my opening riff, and that monologue is not scripted. I don't do a scripted monologue like some do, uh, like Tucker, for example, whose monologues, by the way, are brilliant. Uh, Last night's was incredibly depressing, uh, yet eye-opening at the same time, but that was just a riff uh, uh, off the top of my head, and a lot of it was inspired by what what I heard. What I'm seeing, actually, from the destruction of statues and the destruction and the erasure of American history, and then what that means going forward, between watching what's going on in this country and listening to this young Venezuelan American uh, speak for one minute, that's what, that's what launched me into that opening riff, and I want you to hear it for yourself. Why do I even worry about some silly little statues coming down or some silly little street names changing? Why do I care? It's because the last time I didn't care about this, I was a teenager. I have already lived through this thing when I was living in Venezuela. Statues came down. Chavez didn't want that history displayed. And then he changed the street names. Then came the curriculum. Then some movies couldn't be shown on certain TV channels. And so on and so forth. You guys think it can happen to you? I've heard this so many times. But always be on guard. Never believe something can't happen to you. You need to guard your country and your society or it will be destroyed. We didn't believe it could happen to us. Us Venezuelans, Cubans warned us. And we're like, Venezuela, we know what freedom is like. That's not going to happen here. Yet it happened. And there's clearly a lot of people wanting to destroy the U.S. All right. Um, She is 100% correct. And if you couldn't understand a little bit of the accent, she said the Cubans warned us in Venezuela because of what happened with the communist takeover of Cuba. 
She said, the Cubans warned us, and we didn't listen and said, yeah, that'll never happen here. And then in came Chavez, and it's exactly what happened there. First, the statues came down. Then the programming was changed, what was allowed to be watched, what was allowed to be read. The school curriculum changed, one thing after another after another, renaming the streets. Just about everything that I read to you from the Orwell quote from 1984 is happening in other nations. And again, we sit here feeling secure under the blanket of what we know as American exceptionalism. We're American, not Venezuelan. This can't happen to us. We're American, not Cuban. This can't happen to us. We're American, not Russian. This can't happen to us. We're American, not North Korean or Korean. This can't happen to us. We're Americans. This can't happen to us the way that it did in China. And on and on and on we go. We are different. We're American. Nothing sticks to us. We're Teflon. And this young Venezuelan-American is here to tell you, yes, it can. And guess who's right? Look at the news every single day and every single evening. Look at America on fire. Look at the statues being toppled. Look at calls for the changing of the Star-Spangled Banner as our national anthem. Look look at the uh, products that are being discontinued and being canceled. Look at people uh, and bands and groups changing their names. Look at the imaging, imaging. Look at the iconography all around this great country and tell me if this young Venezuelan American isn't right when she said she has seen it before. She grew up with it in her teenage years in Venezuela, and now she is seeing it happen here. Your phone calls after the news, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 9.37. Good morning to you. Hawk Newsom. What a name. Hawk Newsom is apparently one of the leaders of Black Lives Matter. He said in an interview with Martha McCallum, um, actually he said prior to his interview with Martha McCallum on Fox News, that if uh, we don't get what we want, speaking for BLM, we will burn this system down. Um, Martha McCallum asked him about that. Why the threats of violence to get what you want? And this was the short exchange. I watched you, you know, talking in, on a bunch of different interviews today. And you said, burn it down. You said, burn it down. It's time. So that makes me think I, that, I you wanna, it's, that you want to burn time. it down. I said, if this country... If this country doesn't give us what we want, then we will burn down this system and replace it. All right. And I could be speaking phys- fit, uh, figuratively. Okay. I could be speaking literally. It's a matter of interpretation. Well, there is no interpretation in my estimation when literally things are being burned down by Black Lives Matter in coordination and conjunction with Antifa. So it's not just blacks, of course. It's it's radicals and it's anarchists of all colors representing Black Lives Matter, representing Antifa and other organiza- organizations like the Revolutionary Communist Party of the United States. They literally are burning things down. And they literally are trying to replace the system, which is why, again, opening monologue or rant um, went the way that it did. You listen to things like this from Hawk Newsom, the lead, one of the leaders of BLM. 
burn down this system and replace it. Then you listen to uh, individuals talking about how we have to replace, remove and replace the national anthem. How we have to get rid of statues of Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator. Three House Democrats want the federal government to stay out of the way as vandals take down treasured national monuments. Other Democrats in elected office remain silent. In other words, not speaking out against the removal. Mount Rushmore, which a lot of people thought was kind of a bridge too far or maybe a mountain too high, is not off the table. It is in the sights of some on the far left to get rid of all vestiges of the founders of this great republic, the authors of this constitution. They want to burn it down. They want to blow it up. They want to erase history. So this this is not just rhetoric. These are plans, and these are actions. And the bottom line is we are going to have to not only plan, we have to act in response to stop these things. And before I go to the calls here, I'm going to make one more appeal, like I did yesterday morning, to the President of the United States. President Trump, stop talking and start acting. President Trump is talking a solid game. The President is not doing enough to stop the anarchy in the American streets. He said it again last night in a town hall on Fox, talking to Hannity and and people, And he said, look at Seattle, look at Seattle. If they don't get that under control, then we will. He's been saying that for two and a half weeks since Seattle was taken over. And I know they're starting to deconstruct the Chaz zone, the CHOP zone, or whatever now. But the president is still talking about reining in the insanity and the assaults and the the violence and the fires and the looting and the statue toppling, etc. He's talking about it, but nobody's doing anything about it. Words are our best weapons, but when words are being met with flames, when words are being met with assaults and attacks, then it's time to respond with more than words. Actions are necessary. And I'm calling on the president to start acting rather than talking. Carolyn is in uh, Willoughby on AM 1420, The Answer. Carolyn, thank you for your patience. You are on the air. Go ahead. Yes, good morning. I'm calling, Bob, to confirm exactly what you said. I, the spirit of America is within all of us, and we have got to reawaken that spirit and fight and fight. You know, I walk. I'm 80 years old, and I walk a lot, and I do not see flags flying on people's homes. We have to start showing that we are Americans, that the spirit of Americans is here, and we have to follow the directive of Winston Churchill, who said, never give up. I will never give up to my dying day. And these people are not going to win over uh, killing of America. I am, I am really, and I'm ticked off at the apathy of so many people and so many businesses and companies that are giving in to them. It is just totally ridiculous. We have got to turn to God, pray to him to protect us, and to fight for America. We can do it if we band together. 
Well, that's a the the, you're, the word that you're using that is most important there, Carolyn. Carolyn is uh, is is together, and that's exactly the point I was trying to make in my open. And thank you for your call and your sincerity. My point is, again, it's a cliche, but a house divided against itself cannot stand. United, we absolutely cannot fall. And right now, we're becoming divided. Right now, the division that collapses houses. There's a split in your foundation. Again, I know it's, a, it's kind of an overused metaphor, but it will collapse. If we remain solid and united, we will indeed overcome this as we have so many other things. But so many people are just kind of looking back or looking around and putting their feet up and saying, yeah, well, I'm going to sit back because we've always overcome these things before. We are the United States. We can't be touched. We have American exceptionalism. We're unlike everybody else. And the truth of the matter is America is exceptional, the greatest force for good in the history of humanity. But we are not infallible. We are not gods. We are failing human beings who have done our level best to create the best place on earth for people to live and grow and to thrive and to enjoy the American dream. We have done our level best, but we are not infallible. We are not immortal. This country isn't either. It must be defended. Sometimes that means militarily. Sometimes that means in different ways. John is in... uh, Berea, I believe it is. Yes, John, you are on the air. Go right ahead. Yes, I would like to take us back to the unjust death of Mr. Floyd. Okay. And cause I, rem- I, I recall that the reason he was detained was because he was passing uh, uh, a counterfeit bill, $20 bills, what I recall. Yes. Never heard anything else about that since then. I wanted to share that this death may even look worse than it is because... Just because someone passes a bad bill doesn't necessarily mean that that, that's the person who's making the bill. I'm a living example of that. I received in change from an establishment a bad $10 bill. Looked and felt perfect. I had no idea until I went to another establishment, and an eagle-eyed guy behind the counter noticed it was a bad bill, and he pointed out what the problem was. And when I would shine it up close to a light, you would see... Okay, yeah, we, but the, the, point, the point of this, though, John, isn't about what, he, what the police were called on him for. The police were called on him, and it's what they did and what one particular officer you know, specifically did to him after they, they responded right. to the call that is, that is really at, at issue here. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, you know, it's. It, it, I don't think it makes it more. Maybe it does make it more egregious. And thank you, John, for the call. If, if he had been, if, if the police had been called because he was, uh, you know, it was an armed robber and and had pulled a gun on a store owner or something, they still can't kneel on the guy's neck after he's handcuffed. You know, maybe it is more egregious that they were called for something uh, like like uh, you know counterfeit bills. Um, I don't know. I don't think it would matter. If, he, if they were called there because he was sticking somebody up or if they were called there because he was passing counterfeit bills, the bottom line is that particular officer um, it just showed absolutely no humanity whatsoever, no, uh, no respect for life. Uh, still not certain because nobody has said anything about Derek Chauvin's personal life uh, that we know of that, sh- that, that it was racially motivated. He might have done the same thing to a white person in, the, in a similar situation. And we have seen that same thing done to white persons, in particular, uh, Tony Timpa, I think his name is, in uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, who was uh, kneed on for 14 minutes, not on his neck, but on his back, to the point where his lungs essentially collapsed uh, and he couldn't breathe. Uh, and it was a white guy, but nobody ever heard of that story. 
I still don't know if race had a role in it, but the fact of the matter is that George Floyd was killed in an unjust way, and the reason for the police being called is largely irrelevant here. I don't think anybody would be less outraged at the police if they had knelt on the neck of somebody who was armed, uh, sticking somebody up for armed robbery. As long as he wasn't fighting, that's a key. If they, you know, and I, I'm going to go out on a limb here too. I know the uh, the chokehold ban is a big source of contention for a lot of people, and it's part of the police reform bills and so on and so forth. I happen to disagree with the ban on chokeholds. If there is a fight with a uh, with a suspect in which an officer is forced to use hand-to-hand combat to save his own life or that of other people, I don't think any holds should be ruled out. If an officer's weapon is in jeopardy, if an officer's life is in jeopardy, with somebody who is physically assaulting and attacking him, I don't care if he puts him in a chokehold to get him under control until they get him cuffed. Do what you got to do to save lives. Now, if the chokehold is the first move you go to when trying to arrest somebody, if you come up behind somebody and try to choke them down, uh, you know, without trying to, you know, do it in a in a more peaceful manner first, that's a different story altogether. But to me, to just say chokeholds can't be used in a battle, in a you know, in a grappling match to get somebody under control, uh, I'm going to disagree with that. Uh, but obviously, that is not what happened in the case of George Floyd. This wasn't a chokehold in, in, in battle to get him under control. He was handcuffed. He was under control. He should have been placed in the back of a police car instead of knelt on next to a police car for nearly nine minutes. Stephanie is in uh, North Olmstead. Next, AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Stephanie. Go ahead. Hi. Have you heard about the quantum dot tattoo? The what tattoos? The quantum dot tattoo. I can't say that I have, no. What's quantum dot? Okay, let me read this to you real quick. Microsoft founder Bill Gates announced on March 18, 2020, during a Reddit Ask Me Anything session, that he is working on a new invisible quantum dot tattoo implant that will track who has been tested for COVID-19 and who has been vaccinated against it. According to uh, um, biohackinfo.com, the quantum dot tattoos involve applying dissolvable sugar-based microneedles that contain a vaccine and fluorescent copper-based quantum dots embedded inside biocompatible micron-scale capsules. After the microneedles dissolve under the skin, they leave the encapsulated quantum dots whose patterns can be ready read to identify the vaccine that was administered. Now, here's the part. MIT has been developing the quantum tattoo at Bill Gates' direction and funding. MIT researchers have, and they also, they they plan that uh, this should be ready in 18 months, but I think it's already here. And this was part, led me to think what Amy Acton said. She said on stage there with the wine, mm-hmm. I'm going to stay as a uh, chief medical um, advisor to DeWine to modernize the public health system. So here's the modernization part. They have found a covert way to embed the record of a vaccination directly in a patient's skin rather than documented electronically or on paper. And their low-risk tracking system could greatly simplify the process of maintaining accurate vaccine records, especially at a larger scale. So in the future, my prediction, there will be no more flip phones. Everybody will be required to have a smartphone. And all you have to do is press it in a direction to see if a person has been vaccinated. 
And probably if you refuse well, the vaccine, you'll probably be quarantined at home. That's the part. Okay. Now, now, first of all, Stephanie, I want to thank you for the phone call and for the information. We're going to get our time out here, but I am going to respond to this on the other side. While Stephanie was talking, I was looking up a little bit about what she was discussing. She's not wrong. And I'm not talking about, you know, radical websites. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, what some people might call uh, 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 conspiracy theorist websites. This is MIT. She's right. I'm looking at MIT News. That is the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, for those who don't know what I'm talking about. This is actually an MIT website article. Storing medical information below the skin's surface. Uh, she's right. This technology is being worked on in uh, some of the most uh, highly regarded uh, academic institutions and labs in the country. And MIT is one of them. I'll respond to this after this short time out on AM 1420 The So briefly in response to the caller, Stephanie, who uh, brought up the uh, the vaccination, if you will, um, talking about the uh, quantum dot tattoo, she mentioned MIT, and that's where I went to see, you know, if this is just conspiracy type stuff. It's not. MI- this is December of this past year, 2019, so this is current. Every year, uh, lack of vaccination leads to about 1.5 million preventable deaths, primarily in developing nations. One factor that makes vaccination campaigns in those nations more difficult is there's little infrastructure to storing medical records. So there's often no easy way to determine who needs a particular vaccine. You hear that? That's their, that's their predicate for the, the need for this tattoo or implantation, if you will, type of uh, vaccination. MIT researchers have now developed a novel way to record a patient's vaccination history, storing the data in a pattern of a dye, invisible to the naked eye, but it is delivered under the skin at the time of the vaccine. In areas where proper vaccination cards are often lost or do not exist at all and electronic databases are unheard of, this technology would would enable the rapid and anonymous detection of a patient vaccination history to ensure that every child is vaccinated, says Kevin McHugh, former MIT postdoc who is now an assistant professor of bioengineering at Rice University. So I'm not going to read the entire thing to you, except to point out that she was right. This isn't just some crackpot stuff. This is legitimately being discussed and and researched in uh, laboratories on uh, some of the high, uh, some of the most well-respected campuses in America, including MIT. As to the point about it being voluntary or mandatory, that is the key and that is the big question. Whether or not this is something that we would be able to say no to, to make sure that you know, uh, again, va- see, to, look, I've always, I vaccinated our children. I was vaccinated. I believe, generally speaking, in the vaccinations that are available for diseases that are no longer a threat to humanity, and I think that's a good thing. To make it mandatory is something that I do not believe in because there are grave concerns for some people about what that vaccination will do to certain individuals with certain conditions or things that are even unknown. And I'm not going to sit here and play the game about do vaccinations cause autism, et cetera, et cetera. We know that is a hotly debated topic, which is why it cannot be something that is is mandated uh, for all people or they must be locked into quarantine. If that ever happens, you will then know. If you are forced to get a vaccination for anything, whether it's the, the COVID-19 or whether it's anything else to come in the future, another virus, another, you know, uh, uh, bacterial threat or, or disease or whatever, if we are ever forced to take it 
and imprisoned, i.e. quarantined, um, if we do not take it, then you will know that everything I read to you at the beginning of the program today has, has happened. Uh, we will not be a free nation any longer. We will not be a free people. We will be a police state. And I don't use police in the good way that I always refer to police. I'm talking about in the most reprehensible way possible, where police are used against the people uh, working on behalf of an oppressive totalitarian government. And that's what we will have become. So let's keep our eye on that very closely. Stephanie, thank you for that great information. I'm going to ask you to hold on. We will take more calls, but I am also going to get to our news now. And on the flip side, Patrick Wood is going to join us to talk about disease and contact tracing and more uh, with respect to COVID-19. Patrick Wood, Citizens for Free Speech, coming up. 